Episode 4 Jackie still had not touched her prime rib. Kyle felt sorry for it. As his wife seemed unable to respond to his last point, he refreshed himself with a blue drink and went on. I love doing impressions, Jax. It's like I let someone else take me over. Suddenly I have their voice, their gestures, their spirit. His hands became claws, grasping the delight that was fleeing from him even now. Like at the demo last night, I was me and Ronald Reagan, both at once. It was amazing. Until you shot yourself. Kyle reached again for the blue drink, but reconsidered and tucked his hands under the table. You know, Jax, you're a little hard on people sometimes. Oh? Jackie stared at Kyle. He could not help detecting a little pride in that expression, along with the shock. It's because you want life to be predictable, he explained. That's what all this religious stuff is about, in my opinion. You want to predict what's going to happen so you can control it. But the fact is we're all going to die someday. You and I and Katie and Molly are all going to die. And there's nothing we can do about it. There is something we can do. On the word is, Jackie pounded both fists on the table. The silverware and Kyle jumped together. You can do it right now, she said. Bang. Ask Jesus into your heart. Bang. Just ask him. Bang. Right now. At nearby tables, heads turned and conversations quieted. For the second time in two days, Kyle was the center of a significant public drama. Suspense built. Would he give his wife what she wanted on Valentine's Day of all days? Would he ask Jesus into his heart so Jackie would stop banging and everyone could go back to eating in peace? No, Kyle said. Jackie's face sank into anguish. Her fists remained clenched as the chatter around them slowly resumed. I won't do it, Kyle said, because I don't believe things work that way. It would make me a liar. God doesn't want liars in his heaven. He reached for the blue drink and once again pulled his hand back. It was surprisingly easy, he realized. Just say no, like Nancy Reagan herself said. I'll tell you what I will do, Jax. I'll give up booze. Alcohol's a sin, right? So I will sin no more, not in this area anyway. Kyle signaled for the waiter and told him to take all the drinks away. His eyes lingered on the tray as it disappeared, a plate of jewels. He raised his glass of water and intoned, I swear off liquor forever. I will not set foot in a bar again, not even the missing link. When we get home, I will dump all the beer I own into the gutter. Jackie picked up her glass of sparkling cider but set it down again without drinking. Her faith in her husband, Kyle saw, had not yet been fully restored. He cleared his throat to deliver Valentine's Day surprise number two. Seriously, money isn't going to be a problem for us, he said. David Letterman's associate producer called me this afternoon. He heard me on Batso. I did Reagan for the guy and also Rambo, and he said he'd call back next week. I'm going to be on Letterman, Jax. Holy, the David Letterman? The man himself. That did it. Instantly, Jackie was laughing, leaning back in her seat, and patting her stomach to make sure Molly had heard the good news. Jackie didn't watch Late Night or any TV anymore, other than the 700 Club. But even she understood Letterman's power. That one name washed away the past half hour, the past 24 hours. Kyle's wounded foot was gone. Even the apocalypse was history, at least for the moment. Jackie laughed like she used to, when Kyle used to tickle her. From the corner of his eye, Kyle saw Merritt Stokes give him the thumbs up. In time, Jackie, stroking her belly, stopped laughing and began to dream. When Jackie was Katie's age, her mother had bought her magazines. Tessa had come to Morton from a distant planet, which is to say, Santa Fe. The daughter of artists, she had wanted her own children to be sophisticated, despite being stuck in the California version of Appalachia. 
Do not say tarnation, Tessa told the girls. Do not say thems. We are not, I repeat, not Okies. Here, read this. She gave Pam and Jackie Vogue magazine to inspire the teenagers with visions of their future selves, long, brightly colored, European. They did not ask how they were supposed to get there from where they were now. Tessa herself had never achieved anything but the bright colors, which she foisted on Jackie and Pam through instructions in beadwork, textile painting, and weaving. Nevertheless, per Tessa's instructions, the girls plucked their eyebrows down to threads and buried their eyelids in shadow. They wore their skirts short, their jeans tight. They wore their hand-woven berets at rakish angles, but Jackie shoved hers in her book bag as soon as she escaped her mother's sight. Unlike Pam's, Jackie's hips did not sway. The fringed ends of her belt did not suggestively brush her thighs. She folded her arms over her low-buttoned shirt and smiled icily at the football players. Pam soon gained a reputation as a slut, charges which Jackie did not look into very thoroughly. But Jackie secretly sided with the majority, those girls who cast wary glances at both her and Pam while trading recipes in the lunchroom. Jackie wanted those recipes. At times, she was prepared to approach the table and beg for them. But she did not, and the girls chattered on, happy in their knowledge that they were utterly and permanently normal. Those girls thought Jackie was too open, too free. If only they knew she was a column of stone on the inside. Yet, in a tiny pock in that stone, hope trembled like a dewdrop. Some day, she believed, her inside would catch up with her outside. She'd grow into the relaxed and even sexual person she was now disguised as, at least after she was married. We must say a word now about Jackie's father. That word is gorgeous. Leo was a tool pusher on drilling rigs, black-haired and dark-eyed from a suspicion of ink and blood in his veins. He strode the platform shirtless, his tanned torso streaked with oil, which might as well have been honey to the potter's daughter who'd beckoned him to the roadside to ask for directions. Even after they were married, the astonishing sight of his body every morning had driven Tessa to briefly take up photography. She used lighting to emphasize the three comet-shaped shrapnel scars just above his left hip. As an artist, Tessa understood that such flaws were the source of true beauty. "'What do you think?' Pam asked Jackie, approximately twelve years later, as they lingered over the photos of their father in his thin pajama bottoms. "'Huh,' was all Jackie could manage. "'Who was this man gazing up at her?' "'Not her father. Not yet.' More years passed. Jackie and Pam moved on to other idols, though Jackie cast the occasional wistful glance at the softness spreading over her father's muscles. His scars elongated, his skin turned pebbled and striated like the desert. Still he swaggered, he strode. Nothing could hurt him, not the German bullets he'd marched through like rain on the beach at Normandy, not the monstrous drill that could pulverize a human being on its way into the earth's breast. His eyes burned, saturated with sunshine. He left when Jackie and Pam were in high school. The girls weren't surprised after years of screaming fights between him and Tessa, and week-long disappearances only tangentially related to the extraction of oil from rock. The girls made a point of blaming their mother. "'Wouldn't you leave?' they whispered to each other. "'She's just too weird.' For her part, Tessa seemed to confirm that assessment. She invited her ex-husband for every festive occasion, official or trumped up. And if Leo wanted to bring a guest along, Tessa seemed to think that was fine. Her kids invited their friends over all the time, so why couldn't he? "'Your hair is so beautiful,' she'd say to the new girlfriend, a different one every time. "'You're so cute together.' Meanwhile, Jackie and Pam mimed shooting themselves in the head. The last time Jackie would ever see her father was at Tessa's Halloween party in 1970. He came as a pirate with a wench in tow who was Pam's age. The next day, Tessa snapped. 
She collected Jackie and Pam from their jobs at the IGA and the truck stop, respectively, and drove them to Las Vegas for a, quote, celebration of freedom, unquote. What this turned out to mean was watching their mother get drunk and throw herself at every man in the casino. The only lesson they could have learned, had they not been too old and too appalled to take any instruction from their mother, was that life without a man was not worth living. Any man would do. Sweaty men with pinky rings, drunk men, married men accompanied by their wives, a man wearing a sequin-jacketed knickers late for his show in which he rode a white horse and twirled a baton. She draped herself over them all and giggled and fawned until they sloughed her off. The spectacle sent Pam over the edge. After that trip, she started wearing caftans and eating only nuts and seeds. Six months later, she fled to the Oregon border. She eventually became a teacher in a school that met in a trailer. For Jackie, the only saving grace of that night, and at the time it felt like salvation, was meeting Kyle.